churn has a whole different connotation when it comes to a hospital. You want very low churn in your hospital. Never forget that you have the tools to build a life on your own terms. Forget the haters. They hate us because they ain't us. This is Founder Quest. All right, so I guess we're going to be talking about like tech churn today. And by that, I guess we mean this sort of like turnover, right? Of you have an app, you build an app, and it's not just done. Like I remember when I was a freelancer, like people, I'd have these clients who weren't in technology and they would just expect that like you build this app and you hand it to them and it works sort of like a, a house or something. It's like you're built a house and you expect the house to sort of, sort of stay standing up. But like with software, it, it seems like like you build a house and then you have to sort of keep a, a crew of like carpenters on hand to make sure it doesn't just fall down like in a couple of weeks because like dependencies are always changing and I don't know, standards are always changing. There's security issues and stuff like that. So I, I guess this week we're going to be talking about that sort of stuff because at this point it takes a fair amount of work to keep Honey Badger not just, I mean, I'm not talking about running, right? If like we can like go away for a week and it's, it's going to stay up. But if we went away for a year, we would come back and like things, I don't know, I feel like we couldn't just do that. Does that feel like a fair assessment? I think it's partially fair. There's, there's some parts of our system that operate, I mean, that haven't changed for a long time. And then there's some that, some that are constantly changing or trends we have to keep up with. I think uh, we couldn't go away for a year on the client libraries, you know, because every different language has its own schedule for releases. You know, Go just had a release recently that changed error handling. And then on top of the languages, you have frameworks, right? React had some changes to their error handling recently. That in particular, I think we're affected by, but the core of Honey Badger, I think we could probably go away for, I don't know, two or three years before we really have to change things. Because we, you know, we picked a lot of boring technologies when we started. And uh, those, like, for example, Postgres doesn't change a whole lot from year to year. I mean, yeah, it's good to upgrade yeah. uh, to get new features that come down the pike and to get better performance and bug fixes and things like that. But generally speaking, Postgres doesn't change a whole lot. And so you can stick with that for a few years. We had a, uh, a meetup. We, have a, we host this meetup in town here in Vancouver, Washington called Vancouver Full Stack. This last one, my brother, uh, who's also named Ben, uh, gave a talk. It was titled, I think, Building a Rails Blog 15 Years Later. And so it was kind of, it was kind of doing the same, that, uh, same thing that DHH did in the famous like, a blog in 15 minutes video that got us all into Sounds Rails. Um, oh, yeah. Just, that was yeah. like a huge deal back then because yeah. it was nowadays it's, it's super common. It's like you download some new framework or you run some generator and like, bam, you have like some sort of working basic web application like a blog. But yeah. like back then that was like unheard of. Yeah. Like you used, you basically either like strung it together yourself out of like a bunch of like PHP or Perl or whatever files, or you use WordPress or uh, Typekit maybe, as I recall, <laughs> was that the, was that the Perl version? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was huge. Like, like being able to like, bootstrap your own relatively custom application. It was movable type. That's what you're thinking. Movable type. That's what it is. But yeah, it was interesting though, like going through his talk, not a whole lot cha has changed in Rails as far as like, if you go going like building a blog in 15 minutes, like I think the generators like generate a little bit more code for you now and are, are actually, they're a little bit more ex explicit about it. 
So they put the code in your controller instead of like just hiding it in the framework. But other than that, like there was, there was not a whole lot that um, has changed with Rails as far as like the basics, which I found really, I, I thought, found that really interesting because it's like, wow, it's been 15 years. So I think it was 2005 that, that that video came out, if I recall correctly. Of course, I mean, Rails has gotten a lot better since then, but also it has kind of just quietly done its work for a lot of people, I think during that time and well, they just had to upgrade it and you know you have to keep up on it but compared to some of the other tech stacks that you could you could choose that aren't around anymore well the, the funny thing is that rails itself is you know it's been around for long enough but it's funny that you should say not much has changed right because if you were around back for rails 2 and upgraded to rails 3 right that was huge yeah right and the upgrade from rails 3 to rails 4 was also non-trivial and, you know, it hasn't been as bad like five to six, right? But there were some pretty big, you know, adjustments that happened sure. going for those different rails. But yet, even still, the philosophy has changed, it changed not so much, yeah. right? The approach of building apps has barely changed. Like you said, it's, it's a lot, it's very similar to how it was back in the beginning. Yeah. So I think that says a lot about the, the vision and the, the foresight that they had when baking in the original stuff in the framework. It's an interesting case. I just wanted to say it's an interesting case because with Rails, like I have a feeling that uh, like how long ago was it? 15 years ago, you said? Mm -hmm. Like between 15 years ago and now, like I imagine there's like no code in the framework that is like still there. If <laughs> it was there 15 years ago or if it is, it's like, you know, a like a line containing a closing bracket or something. And from like the um, standpoint of like your brother trying to make the blog app, um, it seems very similar. And so like, I wonder, it's almost as if you could say that like Rails, the framework, the actual code of Rails has had a huge amount of, it's had a huge amount of like churn, tech churn, but it's certain aspects of it's like user interface have been made a bit more sort of stable, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of like a basic sort of, blog and sort of the functionality need for that like that the user interface that rails presents in order to um, create this this blog is pretty similar to what it was 15 years ago yeah the user the user interface is pretty much the same and like you know a blog is like the, the simplest rails application you can build that's why he chose that i'm sure yeah it's a, it's a great example yeah i just want to be clear by user interface by user interface i'm being a little bit i'm stretching that a little bit i'm i'm meaning like all of the the sort of like public, the things that a programmer would use yeah. in Rails to make the blog, like right? Generators, so like all the methods casts, that you call, and the that, generators, yeah, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and the fact that it's like they're still called controllers. Yeah. Years so, later. well, of course, I mean, like Rails has obviously changed a lot over fifteen years, and it does a lot more now than than make a blog. You know, back then it was mainly like the feature set was a lot slimmer. It was you know building REST applications. It does a whole. It does a whole. Uh, whole host of other things now, um, you know, with like action cable and some of the real time stuff. And a lot of stuff has been added to it. There's different kinds of churn in there too, because from a tech churn standpoint, cause yeah, obviously like you're going to have to upgrade, like there's going to be churn in like, as if you, whatever you, the, the software that you use as it matures, like, and as you go through upgrade cycles and stuff, you're going to actually have to like migrate things. But I mean, 15, 20 years, that's a long time. If you chose something that was like, you know, not quite as stable, even from like a, the foundational standpoint, you might be moving between different frameworks within that time. 
to stay relevant or to stay, you know, to keep up with the pace of change. So I think from that standpoint, Rails still holds up as, as far as being potentially a little bit lower, lower maintenance. So did yeah. your brother get oh. his blog made in 15 minutes? It wasn't 15 minutes. It, it, was, it was a little bit longer than 15 minutes, but he, but he got it made. Also, he, he got well, to... He, did, uh, he didn't make the framework, so yeah. that's, he's not going to be as fast at it. At it well, as and there were, you know, and there, were, there was a live audience, so there were, we had some questions and some banter. Um, I made a lot of, uh, I made a lot of like, uh, snarky jokes about Rails and JavaScript, so I introduced the talk as, uh, as Ben builds a blog in React on Rails. <laughs> um, that's a weird that's a weird open mic night at the laugh factory i've got to say that's a weird stand-up routine because that's that's what ror stands for stands for you know these days react on it <laughs> yeah but yeah but we did you know i don't think the original talk had like the, it, i don't know if it was tdd'd but ben got around to like actually writing some tests for uh for it too which was cool so we we're kind of there were some new people there so i think they got a lot out of it okay but but did he use TextMate? no he used VS Code. <laughs> he used VS Code on, on Linux <laughs> <laughs> while, while giving a live coding presentation. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's brave right yeah. there. <laughs> that was an interesting side effect from that DHH video. Like TextMate and the Mac actually exploded for, in terms of web developers using them. Yeah. And it was uh, kind of surprising and interesting experience. Yeah. You know, similarly, like I was, I have here, Audio listeners cannot see this, but I have my, my mug of Earl Grey tea. And I remember like that I started drinking Earl Grey tea when I was in high school because I really liked the next generation, like Star Trek, the next generation. And so I was like, I wonder like how much value like or how much like, I don't know, um, Bigelow's the tea companies like stock went up when like next generation came out and suddenly like all these nerds are ordering Earl Grey tea everywhere. Well, I heard that Wallace and Gromit saved Wensleydale cheese. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, the story that I heard was they were basically going to shut down, but all of a sudden Wallace and Gromit came along and everyone wanted Wensleydale cheese. Wait, did they eat that or something? Or? Yes. I've never, I've never seen it. Is it a movie? Is it a TV show? I don't know. It's a, like a claymation yeah. show. Yeah. And they, it's a guy and his dog yeah. and they love their, uh, what, their tea and cheese and cheese and crackers. And crackers. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's a British, yeah, British it show. It's great. Oh, maybe I should get some cheese and crackers for my tea. I'm surprised you haven't seen that, that just, Star. You'd, I think you'd really, you'd just, really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of all the fun our listeners could have listening to me eat crackers. And I highly <laughs> recommend Wensleydale cheese. It's, it's delicious. Oh, well, you just bumped their stock by another 10 points. Time for me to go. Uh, time, time to run this little pump and dump scheme. I have an alternate theory that Ben is the one who saved, who saved the cheese. <laughs> so you sound, sound like you're a pretty big fan. <laughs> I am a big fan. One thing that um, you mentioned early on, Ben, is that like we our our libraries experience the the aspect of Honey Badger that experiences the most tech churn in terms of like us having to update things is the client libraries, like the bits of the libraries. Like I was going to say the bits of code that people insert in their apps, but it's it's they're a lot more than bits of code. Yeah. They're they're actual libraries. You know, these things have to hook into Go and, you know, React and Vue and Rails and all this stuff, all these frameworks to sort of seamlessly pull out error information. And these frameworks are changing all the time. And so we're constantly having to update them. So it's like, like, do you guys think that it would be a bad business decision for us to just become a 
a COBOL focused company. Like just, we just, just we really just embrace throw it. In, yeah. We just put everything on COBOL. Embrace the stability. Cause embrace the stability. Yeah. That's right. Well, I mean, rails, rails is kind of the new, it's the web's COBOL It's it's becoming it. So I just give us another, give us another like 10 to, you know, 10 to 20 years. And I mean, we're not going to change, right? We're, we're, we're going to be using rails in 20 years. Right. That's right. Oh, totally. Yeah. I hope I mean, so. I mean, I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, we, we'd like to joke about, about COBOL, but there are still plenty of apps out there running COBOL. And I That's think what I'm saying, you, yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah. This is a business opportunity, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, pick some good, if, you, if you're a developer and you're looking at what am I going to build on? One, one of the things you should consider is what does my stack look like long-term, mm-hmm. right? Am I going to be able to be around 15 years from now and still doing this thing? If you chose Rails, that was a risk in 2005, right? Not so much a risk today since it's been around 15 years, but if you chose Angular 1, well, you know, that didn't work out you've terribly already, well. You've been through a few <laughs> since yeah. then. So, it's one, so, you know, part of the, the real, I think, bugaboo about tech churn is that when you have to pick a technology to build on, you have to try and predict the future. And, and you know, no one's very good at that, right? So... I don't think there's a solution out there for that, except for trying to go in with eyes wide open or just pick something that's been around forever. So yeah, let's just switch everything to COBOL. I'm down with Star. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I've got one other person on the COBOL train leaving the station. Or yeah, Fortran. Seemed- yep. Fortran. <laughs> Fortran. Okay. Going leaving way Fortran for COBOL. <laughs> I, I mean, from, a, from like, it might actually work for us since we're... Fortran's you know. dead. Fortran's dead. <laughs> I'm doing everything in COBOL now. Fortran's nothing ever dies. Star, there's there's someone still doing Fortran. Lots of someone's. Yeah, you're right. It might it might work for us because I think one of the reasons like people companies tend to like not stay on the old is um, because there's there's not as many developers that are like learning training for that right. So like if we if we decided if we were like trying to hire if we had to hire like a hundred developers, COBOL would probably not be a good choice for us um, in a competitive developer market, I would, I would imagine. That's true. Now, being a small company that hires like once a year, it seems, it's been a kind of our current pace. It's a, a little faster than that, a couple times. You know, maybe that works for us. Maybe we can stay on the, uh, the old crusty stuff and, and we could just pick up, you know, find everyone who's interested in working on that. What I think is neat is how you can, you can like choose what kind of business you want to have based on what kind of choices you make. Like yeah. for example, O'Reilly, you know, they thrive on churn, right? You know, the yeah. more new technology comes out, exactly. Yeah. They, they publish books about technology. Fear. So Fear education. new frameworks, new languages. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah let's, let's have that. Right. But, uh, you know, someone like, I don't know, a hospital. Right. Yeah. They're like, uh, no, let's just stick with the old stuff for a long, long, long time. And we'll just train people so, if we can't find them to hire them. Right. I mean, let's be honest. Churn has a whole different connotation when it comes to a hospital. You want very low churn in your hospital. <laughs> so, yeah, when we first got to like full disclosure, when we first started this conversation, I completely thought we were talking about business churn. So, <laughs> yeah. I like to keep you on your toes, Josh. So I think like to clarify my statement about how I think choosing technology, like, you know, potentially things like rails could potentially lead to lower tech churn. I, we're not talking about technical debt to be clear, right? Like this is a, that's a slightly different topic. I, I feel like 
churn is not necessarily the same thing as as debt because you build up that, that tech debt and uh, different systems definitely have different properties as far as like how that debt is managed over time. Although yeah. both do have that issue with dependencies, right? Dependencies you choose, and especially as you have more dependencies, you're going to have more churn to deal with. Yeah. Because they're all on their own schedules on how they release stuff. Back to what I was saying, it's like pick your dependencies carefully, right? Mm-hmm. Here's a thought, a random thought. So I think this, maybe this has something, it has a lot to do, like the technology and the amount of churn that it experiences could have a lot to do with the platforms that it's built on. So for instance, like server-side technologies, like, you know, we've had TCP IP and HTTP and all, you know, all the, the base technologies, they've changed, but they're, they've been around a really long time. And server frameworks, in my experience, they don't change quite as rapidly as, for instance, like uh, client-side applications, because browsers have gone through a lot of upheaval since the 90s and continue to today. Like browsers are constantly changing, changing little things that like affect affect the the developers that build on those platforms every day. I feel like it's a little bit more on the uh, the browser side than on the server side. That is an interesting aspect of this because I almost wonder like in rails and stuff there was a ton of churn like you did have to like there were, there were tons of things changing around like 2006 2007 and onward but like early like so it's almost like it's like there's this flurry of everybody like rushing to try and figure out how to do things and how to build a, a system that will sort of catch on and then eventually sort of there's kind of like an accept an approach that sort of gets to be accepted and then um, things slow down. And it's not to say there's never a churn. It's like, yeah, sure. Like you've got to upgrade your, your gems and stuff like that for security patches and, and whatnot. But the amount of turnover and code and stuff that happens in Rails land nowadays is much, much, much less than happens in like um, JavaScript land. And it's like, I, I'm not sure that that's like anything innate having to do with Rails versus JavaScript, except that there's just a lot more people building single page, you know, front end heavy web applications these days. And so like, you know, that's, we're sort of in this process of that sort of getting thrashed out. And because like right now, it's a lot better than it used to be, right? Because like five years ago, everybody was using like, there are 20 different like package managers for JavaScript and nobody knew like who was going to reign supreme. But now it's like, well, you know, there's still a lot of them, but, you know, a lot like Webpack seems to be kind of the, the big kid on the block now. And so, yeah, so maybe we're just seeing this weird little feed, sort of feeding frenzy. And so like the trick to avoiding or to, to minimizing tech churn is to sort of avoid the feeding frenzy, like and hang out in the sort of like shallow tide pools. ThoughtWorks is the um, consulting uh, is that Martin Fowler's consulting company, I want to say? Yep. They have this thing called the rate, like the technology radar. It's like a report that they publish. I think it's twice a year. I was looking at it recently. It's kind of interesting because like, what it is, is they get all of their senior technologists at the company together in a room with a whiteboard for, I don't know, a day or two or something. And they, they all hash out like all the technologies that they've been using they're excited about they've been like they've seen recently and then they put together this like basically it's like a radar map of all these technologies with like different quadrants of as um, in terms of like whether you should whether they would like want to like they think they're ready to adopt whether they're just kind of like 
observing them, um, whether they think that they're actually, they're not a good idea and they would like actively avoid them. The interesting part about it in terms of this discussion is like, it seems they have a process for like actually figuring out when it's actually time to start embracing something. And I feel that that probably has like, that plays into it. Like, is this thing like widely, is it widely adopted enough to like be here for the long term versus is it one of these technologies that is kind of just like still, it's one of the predecessors to like, you know, the ultimate one or it's a flop. Yeah. One of the concepts that I like that's related to this is called the Lindy effect. And that's the idea that something that has been around for a long time will likely be around for a long time. So the longer something sticks around, the longer it will be around. Right? Hey, so good news for the badger. Exactly. Like, yes, we are, we are much more likely to be around a couple of years from now than someone who starts the same service, you know, a month ago, mm -hmm. right. By, by the order of this effect. So I think one, one strategy that you can take is just like, okay, I'm not gonna look at anything until it's been around for a year. Right. <laughs> I am not even going to touch something that's brand new, right? yeah. but you know, you lose the first mover advantage that can come with picking the technology that does stick around sure. early in its life cycle. But you know, if you're risk averse, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like hanging back and using the tried and true until oh. someone else subs their toe on it. You can still go, you know, go play with it and stuff and learn about it. You just don't, you don't need to like, you know, go all in in production with it. Right. But the good thing about tech churn is that it keeps us all employed as software developers, right? That's true. Like, like Sarah was saying, you can't, you can't just build the house and it stays standing, right? You got to have those carpenters on hand to always be wielding those hammers. So as a carpenter myself, I really appreciate that aspect of tech churn. One thing that sort of is coming to mind continually as we're having this conversation is there's, there is this great essay written a while ago by, I may mess up his name, Reginald Braithwaite. Braithwaite? It's called Programming is Pop Culture, is a pop culture. And the reason I was thinking about this essay is because like, I was wondering, like, as we're discussing this stuff, it's like, could we just be discussing like shoulder pads or like skirt length? It's like, we could be like, you know, if you want to be, you know, safe and, and sure that like nobody's going to give you weird looks or anything. It's like, yeah, you can wear like the, the sort of fashion that's been around for a while. But if you want to like be cool and like have everybody want to sort of be on board with what you're doing and stuff, well, you got to like pick these hot new things. And mm -hmm. so basically like in this essay, he's talking about how like so much of the stuff that we as developers argue about is essentially sort of uh, trends in another word, fashion. But at the same time, there's this weird thing where, you know, developers being sort of in general, sort of factually oriented and used to dealing with sort of various sort of mechanisms of things and stuff. It's like we like to argue as if we're talking about things being objectively we, better. We like to turn things into science. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, everything is like, it's obviously objectively better that you build a React app than you build a Rails app. Like those two things are like, it's just, it's the next step in evolution. But in fact, we're just talking about sort of trends. That makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was interesting at that, uh, at that talk about the Rails blog 15 year, years later. I mean, there seemed to be people there that had obviously like not ever seen that talk, much less um, follow, you know, kept up with Rails over the years. And they, they were like interested in like, how, really? This is like, this is all doing all of this and you get a blog. Like they were, they were impressed by it. I was like, this is, the, this has been around for 
for a long time. Are you saying they were impressed with how little work they had to do? Yes. If you learned, you know, if you learned, if you went through some of the more modern curriculum, I mean, a lot of code schools, like they do teach Rails or, you know, the other, another backend framework or whatever. But if you go, a lot of them do focus on the, the front end or on the newer, the newer technologies. And I'm, a lot of those, a lot of these technologies were built for, they weren't built for the solo, the solo developer with the idea that you're going to be able to do an entire, build an entire application yourself. And so a lot of these technologies like React, for instance, you know, built by Facebook for massive software teams. And the idea is that it's one part of the system and it's up to you to go and pick all the other components that you're going to use to piece together the ultimate thing, which is probably going to be amazing if you know what you're doing. But if you're a newcomer, I mean, I can see how challenging that would seem to think I'm going to start from scratch and build a complete application. You know, like say I wanted to start a so like my own software as a service as a new developer. And I just learned all these, you know, all, all the latest things. I can see that being kind of daunting. Do you think that in some ways the situation we're in now sort of mirrors the situation that we were in sort of around 2002-ish where back then it's like you went to whatever the equivalent of a code school was, I guess a university or whatever, and like you got out and you're basically going to be going into the, whatever the equivalent of Facebook back what, then was, I don't know, like IBM and you're going to be programming Java and you're going to be part of a big team. And you're going to work on some little aspect of this Java code base and you're not going to be building things just completely by yourself. But, you know, then Rails comes along and everybody's like, oh, my God, I can like build a blog by myself in 15 minutes. I don't have to have a team of, of 20 people. Yeah. So now people get out of code school. They go to Facebook. They work with a team of 20 people on some tiny little feature. And so you know, this message of like being able to build stuff just by yourself is actually cool. Although yeah. I guess it's not as bad as it was, you know, in Java, Java times. Yeah. It seems like this is, this is not something new. Like you said, like, you know, the whole Java, you know, people weren't typically going out and like building their whole, their own companies off of Java single-handedly, probably. Yeah. I mean, let's be clear. I mean, I, I, I have no illusions that we're not like still in Java times. Well, like, yeah, that's what we're, I, that's what we're saying that too. You're like, yeah, like a lot of this, this hasn't really changed. It's just rails has come along and other technologies like it have come along. I think maybe, maybe even in response to that, like th these technologies are geared towards slightly different audiences. Like they're geared towards smaller potentially audiences that like, that are, have more limited resources or they want to build, you know, they want to build something themselves or be able to do it start to finish. That's one of the reasons a lot of people will still, even today, people will say like, well, Rails is, Rails is good. It's like, it's really good for prototyping or for, you know, doing like the rapid, the rapid prototyping thing, because you can, you can accomplish so much with it in such little time. And then they'll say where it falls down is when, as you grow and you have more people working on it and you have more of this churn happening on your application, that's where Ruby tends to shine less. The benefits of like starting with something that's like, like rails is that you can accomplish more with fewer, like with fewer resources. You know, what this reminds me of it's like people want to like build applications as if they're going to be scaling to millions of users 
simultaneous. Yeah. And, you know, I've also fallen into that trap. This reminds me of like that Mark Twain quote. It's like, ah, I forget exactly what it is, but it's about, it's like, there's no poor people in America. We're all just uh, temporarily embarrassed millionaires. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm gonna have a lot of money. So I need to plan it for right. life as if I was gonna have a lot of money. And I guess make life a lot harder on yourself now so that you can make sure you're set up for like that billionaire life or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And there's one lesson like I've learned, I guess, fairly recently, which is that immediate gratification is kind of underrated. Yeah, there's no billionaires that didn't make their first dollar. Too. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, if, you, if, you're all, if you're hung up on like what technology to choose and you're like, you, you know, you're not considering something like Rails or Laravel or whatever, whatever it is that won't scale, you know, that, that's not like embraced by Silicon Valley or whatever. How many people have those aspirations but never get to like the first, you know, the first line of code or the first customer or, or whatever? Can, you got to tell me honestly, did you make that up? Yeah. Well, I, as far as I know, I might've heard it somewhere. I'm, you know, oh my gosh, I'm like, known you're to- just like, you got that, you got F that money. Like <laughs> you're just a machine. You're coming up with all these amazing phrases. What can I say, I don't know. I, I do hear things and then, um, you know, you never know. You can never be sure where you incorporate things from, but the best of my knowledge, I, I'm not quoting someone. Well, you know what? We're publishing this podcast and that counts. So like anything you say you, here, you is heard it here. Or- copywritten. Yeah. So um, nobody else can use that. That's Josh's for his um, series of motivational books. I was pretty stoked about F that money because I Googled it and I couldn't find it used in that context anywhere. So as far as I know, that was one of my, that was one of my original thoughts, which are few and far between. So <laughs> maybe it was the only one. It looks like we're coming up on time. Is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation? Anybody? Nope. nope I'm good. All right. I guess that's all we have to say about like tech churn. So yeah, um, I guess we solved that one. Uh, In the bag. You're welcome, everybody. So this has been Founder Quest. You've been listening to Founder Quest. If you would like to, I don't know, write for us on our blog. I'm not Founder Quest blog, the Honey Badger blog. We hire people to do Ruby tutorials and stuff like that. So check that out at uh, go to honeybadger.io and click on our blog. And then there'll be a link right for us in the, the top nav. And you'll learn all about that. If you would like to um, give us a review on iTunes or whatever. I always say iTunes. It's like yeah. Apple Podcasts I now. I rebranded too. it. It's ridiculous. Just go and do that, please. Please don't feel like I have to ask you to do that. You're, you are a free agent. You have autonomy. And I want you to trust in yourself <laughs> to make those decisions. And in the meantime, that has been Found Request. ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.